Okay, well, this is Just Keep Talking with Ellie Reed, and welcome back. Okay, I have my first guest in here. I'm super excited about it. Chad Reed. <laughs> Hi. It's appropriate for covering our childhood, you talking like 13-year-old again. Yeah, I know. I thought I'd bring back the Australian accent. Mm-hmm. I was coming back in and out. Anyways, obviously, I got the, this... <laughs> can't talk i'm too excited okay obviously i got this thing off the ground which did you ever think i would actually follow through with this podcast thing yes and no why this time i'd seen that you're a little bit more serious about it so i thought that the potential of you pulling it off was high so i'm i'm happy to see you pull it off Very good. Okay, well, anyways, you've actually listened to the podcast, right? I did, both of them. Um, What was your favorite part? Favorite part? Oof. There were several little things that made me kind of just laugh to myself, you know, like little moments that, you know, that made me fun, you know, like that was funny and I I remember like... I am pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of, what, 22 years ago and it went by pretty fast but it you know like a lot of the things you're kind of like wow I totally remember like it felt like it was yesterday I brought you back in here because I wanted to talk about kind of like when we first got together go back because there was a lot of references I made in the last two podcasts where I was like oh I have to wait and see what Chad thinks of that because I feel like it's important to see your point of view um and it's always different like how girls see, see things how boys see things how it was for you actually, you know, in the racing, whereas for me, coming from the outside, stuff like that. So I help, I feel like it helps, um, you know, like bridge the gap and fill in the blanks for a lot of people. So here's your chance to catch up on those kinds of things. So I guess maybe starting with like high school and where we first met. I mean, when did you first like go, yeah, she's pretty awesome. the first time i remember i mean you covered it well obviously i grew up in west wall's end which was basically what we call over the other side of the mountain 30 minutes away um you know so it was a completely new group of people that i was you know being exposed to um you know for us year seven is high school and i don't know when it was i don't know if it was the first day or the 20th day but we were all um yeah we're all in the the library and i remember yeah just i can still picture it now you know like you goofy you sitting on the floor um you know as we all went into the library and yeah i don't know you caught my attention and was it because i was super quiet or was i actually pretty loud I can't remember. It was your teeth, actually. <laughs> you knew are. I was going to say that. But yeah, I know. They are good. I have a lot of teeth. Big, you know, big smiley, you know, little girl. On the, on the okay, thing. let's be honest. I have quite large teeth. Yeah. No, and I just remember they you sitting there. And, and this was like kind of before, you know, like guys form their group and girls form their group. And you knew everybody. I mean, you grew up around 
everybody, you know, like kind of like what you covered in, in yeah, your other ones. Yeah, but if I didn't know people, I was kind of like not shy just to be everyone's friend. No, I know, but like for the most part, like... Yeah, I did know a lot of people. Everybody you knew, whether they were from, you know, Curry or from Weston, um, yeah. you know, you knew them through football and you knew the group, you know, the gu- the guys, the boys or whatever, you know, because we were, we were in boys back then. Yes. Um, and I only knew... I really only knew um, the twins, um, the Thompson boys. Um, they went to my school, and somehow we ended up moving to the same high school. And then, uh, and then obviously there was a few moto um, moto based kids there that were not in my year. They were above above us. Um, so yeah, like that was it really. So I was kind of like this fresh, shy little kid. And you were pretty shy. You were kind of quiet. Why are you so quiet? I'm quiet, and I guess that's opposites attract. You're loud, I'm quiet. Is that it? I think so. Okay, but when you get a helmet on, you're not quiet. So why is that? I feel like I got a little, like, an interest. I listened to a Daniel Ricardo interview this morning. Yeah. What's Daniel he, got to say? And he said something that made a lot of sense, and, you know, he's he's like you, at least what I've seen of him and being around I him. I think we actually should he's, dance together. He's quiet. He's kind of outgoing. He's not shy. He's, he's, he's loud. Um, funny and good looking. I saw that on the internet yeah. too. But Which, he talks about, you know, like when you put a helmet on, I mean, your helmet, it's a safety thing, right? I mean, that's why you wear it. And yes. in a lot of ways, the way he described it, it's also our safety. You know, like you put a helmet on and it's kind of like you, you suddenly, you've got this bubble around you and you become who you really want to become because you know you kind of got this you switch off the outside world um and then i take the helmet off and i'm i'm a little more shy than most um okay well pace was like that the other day like rode around the stadium with his helmet on yeah didn't wasn't even nervous and then he was nervous to do a little parade in front of like what maybe 40 people and it's funny because i'd be so happy for him not to do it because like as a kid i remember being like volunteering and saying, "Hey, I'll I'll be the curtain guy." Like basically, the you know, like yeah. we when we had a show in primary school and um, you're like, "Please don't put me on the stage." I'm like, Please "Yeah, don't put me on the don't stage. Put me on the stage. It's, not, it's not my spot." You know, like so I was, so li- I was literally the guy gr- pulling the strings and <laughs> closing the ca- curtains. I'm like, just put the spotlight on me. Yeah, and I'm the opposite. Um, That's so funny. But yeah, put a put a team hat on me or you know put me in front of seventy thousand Supercross fans and I'm. I'm fine. Yeah, I know, because you get on the microphone out there and you're not nervous. I was actually nervous at opening ceremonies the other day because I was like, oh, my gosh, if I mess this up or the kids throw me over. You messed it up. I didn't mess up. I was sweating. Tate's uh, bike, you know, just what? It just goes off because it's like it's almost like a battery saving. (laughs) It's electric, and I think it has a – obviously, it has a safe mode that if you don't turn the throttle in a certain amount of time, um, then you got to reset it. Um, which pressed, it's a super easy reset. You just turn the throttle forwards. Yes, um, which I went to do, but Tate pressed every single thing, had a mess, massive panic. I'm like... Where Kaya would have been totally just like... Did it. Just did it yes. and should have rode off. Tate fought me on everything and I was like, no, just stop. Yeah. And so full panic. And then I know like, seriously, my face is all concentrated and I'm like, you know, pressure on. So funny. But getting back to, you know, like when I first remember, I mean, yeah, I was just shy new kid to a new school um i was excited about going to high school i was excited about you know kind of moving to a new place i didn't feel like where i grew up 
in West Wales and it was kind of like just your normal small town, right? There's a lot of crap that happens there. And um, I would, wouldn't say I was the least popular. I wouldn't say I was the most popular. Um, I'd say I was the black sheep in the fact that I did motorcycles and everybody did soccer, cricket, football, or surfing. Um, that was what we did growing up. And I kind of was this kid that was showing up on Mondays with, you know, trophies with a motorcycle on top, not, not a soccer ball or, or, or a football. So, um, yeah, I was, I feel like I was, I was different, you know? Yeah. But did you have a problem being different? You know, as far no, as... No, I, I loved it. I you, mean... Yeah, you embraced it. I, I mean, I think your typical normal, you know, childhood where you're, you know, you're sensitive to people not liking you or liking you. Um, you know, I feel like in some ways I didn't fit in and in a lot of ways I was okay with that. In a lot of ways I was kind of like wanting to be accepted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't... I always liked it, you know, like I felt like I was better than everyone, to be honest, like, and not on a level of like, oh, I'm better than you. I just felt like I had, even at such a young age, like I had this, just this vision, right? Of going somewhere and being something and And doing something bigger as opposed to. So that, in that respect, I felt like I was better than the people I was around and, um, the things that I seen them doing or the choices that I seen them making, they weren't choices that I was embracing at that such a such a young age you know as in like participating in just drinking and no not I mean not in primary school (laughs) oh no I'm talking about we're in high school now yeah um yeah even in high school like I didn't I didn't really I was so busy on the weekend so I didn't associate with any of my friends even though I was amongst you know the the you know what we would describe as the cool boy group um i didn't hang out with them outside of outside of outside school. of school um they you know they had their for the most part we were a very football orientated city um yes. i kind of think it was more Are we a random city or a town because town I feel, yeah town i mean like it was like we had yeah. like a couple of soccer players but yeah. that was it you know bauer and a couple of the boys you know yeah but, I but mean, for the most part they, they were all football yeah. boys in our group. Um, in yes, our group, sure. at least, you know. Um, and that's really, you know, that's all I, I don't really know any of the kids that we went to school with outside of my group, you know. Yeah. Like, I kind of just kept to myself and rode my BMX bike to school and every once in a while jumped on the bus, but the bus seemed like it was too slow, you know, like you had to be there and you had to be on time. And if you didn't get there, which let's just disclose that Chad read time, you're always like, you couldn't always run on Chad time. <laughs> if, yeah. Like if you, if I was late for the bus, if the bus wasn't going to wait for me, it was going to, it was going to go by. Were you good at school? Oh, I was not good at school. Um, why? I didn't understand it. I didn't understand a single thing at school. I really didn't. Like you struggled with learning and just didn't. Understanding. And I had no, I had zero desire for it. Like yeah. I didn't. Like as a thirty-seven-year-old sitting here with three kids and you know seeing them do their homework and things like that. Like I didn't know if it was the error that we grew up in, or if it was different. Um, I definitely feel like if we, it's just your house, I still did homework. Yeah. See, <laughs> I, I mean, I can honestly say that through kindergarten to ninth grade i don't know that i ever did yeah. homework i think that was just your house 
And I refused. And I still today, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't you like grew up. Homework. Yeah, you, no, I mean, parent, you grew up with mom your mom is a as a teacher. She teacher. doesn't like homework. Where I think she I send my kids kids me. to school. She doesn't this like is why you and either. I are different, but no, she's the same. I send thing. my kids to school to yeah, learn and funny. do work. I don't expect them to come home with the work. You know, like I hate yeah. it. Like when my kids are when Tate Tate especially, he's our hardest. Tate's complaining oh. about it. Like I understand it. I embrace it for you, but like I. Oh, I hate I think homework it's, too. I think it's, it's so annoying. a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't, school wasn't important. It wasn't, you know, like my, my parents didn't graduate, um, go on to university and do anything like that. So, you know, dad was a concreter growing up. Mom worked in schools and, and cleaned and, and whatnot. So I think that, yeah, like that wasn't ever the priority. The motorcycle racing was really all i cared about and and it wasn't even that you would like oh that's all i cared about i didn't care about anything like i loved school like any like if i missed a day of school i'd be so bummed like i hated not being involved around other people yeah um and for a shy kid that's kind of strange or you know like getting all the the opportunities that i had growing up as a kid going traveling around the, the country um so many times mom and dad would drive you know through the night on a Sunday and we'd be, you know, home at early hours in the morning. And it wasn't necessarily that we were made to go to school. Like that you, was the choice that I to. made it, yeah. you know, like I was like, I really wanted to go to school. Um, so I didn't hate school. Yeah. I just, I just didn't understand it. Like I really didn't. I you wish. You just struggled to comprehend yeah, it. Yeah. I wish that I, I wish that there was people around me or the schooling system allowed you to, I wish I knew what you and I know today um, yes. in respects to the things that, you know, yeah, that, that we have learned, learned over the years. Over the years. And, and I think that but there uh, is a different way of learning. And I think back when we were in school, like I didn't learn, like I couldn't acknowledge yeah, like, that you could put me be, in a yeah. classroom setting even today. Like I just don't operate like that. Like if if you tell me something and I don't have a huge desire for it then it's gonna go in one ear and out the other like i yeah, don't like i don't when i ask you to do jobs and you're just like did yeah. you even hear me no no i don't hear you yeah selective hearing no but i think school it, you know even though i love school learning whatever in certain subjects i didn't i wanted to switch off too so i think yeah. that's valid but as a parent you know like do you you know, especially for motorcycle people that leave. You went to school, you know, up until ninth. You've completed ninth grade. You went to the first year. Um, the if first you're comparing, day. like, my I'm not trying to compare. I'm just, or I'm just wanting what we, your opinion on. My opinion, If I think you're going with the opinion of, like, what's currently happening. Yes. I don't I do. believe in it. I really don't, you know. Though I wasn't smart, though I wasn't, I shouldn't say I wasn't smart. I was extremely smart in certain things. Um, I was street smart, you know. Yeah. I was. Yeah, but your I was getting on international learn, your ability to learn eleven years school old. School bookwork was not necessarily. It's not the fact that you weren't smart. It was the way that it was being taught was, to you was yeah, not registering. Therefore, no. you shut down. And I mean, kids with learning disabilities, learning, you know, problems these days. It's not. These kids aren't you know like naughty kids they're not bad kids 
they're just not understanding and they need to be taught in a different way and I think that's more acceptable and noticed now anyways what I'm talking about is do you think that you know like obviously you went to school you still traveled you still raced you still made it what do you think for you know families kids these days where their parents are bringing them out of school putting them on the road at such a young age you know a lot of pressure as far as you know the parents have sold up their house putting everything into motorcycles as your parents did too but they still you know worked a normal job it wasn't you know all on you I think for the, yeah, like Monday through Friday, I lived a very normal life, you know, like it wasn't like, you know, I went to school, I came home, I did, you know, normal, very normal. Like I rode my BMX all over the, you know, the town. I, you know, played soccer with friends, football with friends, like whatever. So I think that my upbringing was always to be as normal as possible. And I, I see nowadays it's like, everybody here in the u.s especially is they're all homeschooled and i just think it's terrible i just don't think it's healthy um i couldn't think of anything worse i love my kids but i couldn't think of anything worse than having them home 24 7. um i think that they need to go and experience friends and you know there's good people bad people naughty people whatever you know like i think that they need to be around life and experience that and we were I was um you yeah, know and, and I very normal childhood yeah you know? and like I just think that no matter what you do um and in this respect we're talking about motorcycle racing yeah um there's no guarantees you know like percent I mean yeah like one percent of the motorcycle community make it to the pro level of making an actual job out of it right I think it's just, yeah, like I think that you need to live, a, you know, as close to a normal life as, as you can. And, and what's normal, you know? Yeah, everybody it's all has a different normal. Perspective, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. me, what was normal probably isn't like our kids don't live like what we live like, you no, know? Like they had so much more but freedom. That they live a normal life for them, you know? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I mean, Pace's first big ride on a track was. <laughs> Atlanta Supercross. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, I might do this racing business. It yeah. looks pretty good. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. geez. Okay, so now that pace, who knows, right? We've kind of like, we've been so busy that it's not like we put effort into taking our kids to ride. So, you know, their ride on the weekend was the first time they've sat on a motorcycle you know, in months. And before that, it'd be like six months before that, you know, like it's not, they don't get an opportunity to ride because by the time you've done your work and stuff like that, it's like, okay, we're out of there. Um, which is so different to the exposure that you were able to have because, you know, your, your family spent time in a motorcycle track for you every weekend or, you know, most weekends or, you know, stuff like that. So now that Pace has said, Hey, I want to race a motorcycle. What do you as a parent go, okay, here's the steps that, you know, that you would say, okay, here's what I think we should do, you know, with someone who just says, oh, I want to race, I want to ride. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, I feel like everyone gets so caught up in, um, oh my God, my kid's going to be the next Chad Reed. And it's like, I don't want him to fill your shoes. I want him to have his own, you know, like, I, I think that's really important for us, for all of our kids, like, 
I want them to do whatever they choose and just be the freaking best at it. And yeah, have heroes, have people that you want to, um, you know, be like or, you know, stuff. But I, I don't necessarily, I don't believe in, you know, like that at five years old, you're priming them to be the next whatever. Like, I feel like it should still very much remain fun, learn fundamentals, and then kind of see where it goes from there. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, it excites me and scares me all at the same time. Oh, I, I know. Mean, You're a worse mini bike parent than you are than for I sure. Am. Like I like for me, it's just <clears throat> I can only relate to how I felt. And yeah, that's for, what I want to know. For me, it was just like I knew nothing else, and. You knew nothing Pace? else. You did. You want to know anything else? You just no, were so I, set from the get go. Like when did you set. say like, that's that it? That was as my earliest memory. I don't remember anything else. Anything else? Yeah. Pace is probably the only one that we have left. Because <laughs> I mean, Tate doesn't show that. He likes to ride, but likes he, to ride. But he's he, a bit more like me, where he's like, right, oh, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna do that. And Tate lives differently like tate thinks that he's ready for ktm you know ktm supercross junior supercross and he yeah. he's ready yeah. to go on tour yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know like he's he's that kid that he's bought you know i'll just jump on there i'll just no jump worries. on there I'll and do this. it and i'm kind of like well you you know you're not quite ready for that yet in my opinion <laughs> well when you ride Where three pace, times a year yeah pace hasn't really shown any desire to do any one particular thing, you know, like he kind of has been the one that follows along and kicks a soccer yeah, ball, shy rides, and whatever, and then all of a sudden he's come a, out of his shell. You know, shell. rides a BMX bike around, you know, does a little bit of jiu-jitsu, and it's kind of like it feels, I wouldn't say we force him, but we try to expose him to all that stuff. And he hasn't really been one that's had a clear vision, and, you know, since the weekend he's showing signs of okay now we're hearing i mean he does ride his bmx bike loves his bmx a bike a lot as soon as he wears got, his motorcycle gear yeah. you know non-stop so he's maybe our one that probably makes me nervous on like is this the route and i don't know that i'm nervous to do it yeah it's a huge commitment it yeah. really is yeah are you ready am i ready for moto life again like i <sighs> no, as horrible me, as it sounds, gives me anxiety. Yeah, no, as horrible as that sounds, like I don't know that I'm ready for that. But if he loves it, yes, I'm all in. Like right. I will cancel, cancel whatever, life, cancel life, and <laughs> and we'll we'll go all in. But he needs to really to answer your question. He needs to show me something that. That makes you feel like, righto. That makes me feel like there ain't anything else in this world other than motorcycle racing in his mind. Yeah. And he's not yet showing that to me. Which is the same thing for me. And he's me. five, yeah. but I think of my five-year-old self. And yeah, you were already in it. I was in it. Like, I mean, at five years old, I was already one year in racing and, you know, winning local races and, yeah. you know, state championships, going to the national championship or already at five years old. And yeah. you think, wow, here's our little five-year-old that's our baby and you think of back when i did it it was mm. i was already 
you know, a Which year, I can't imagine a year immersed yeah. into it and traveling the country and doing so it, well to me. you know, just all in. Do you need to do it that young? I don't know. I don't know it any other way. But there has been people successful you know, going into in later. it later. I yeah. mean, Jeremy McGrath didn't start racing until, you know, later in his career and yeah. really started off from a BMX career. Right. Crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. But what I'm saying is now that he says, hey, I want to ride, like what? what is your next thing? Like do you get him to that... a track? Do you take him to a, a place where there's somewhere just to ride around? Like what's the next yeah, no, step I'd for like him to... in his fundamental learning? I'd like to take him to a, you know, a, a mini bike specific track. track. Yeah. Um, you know, where there's mini bikes on the track and you expose him to other riders and things that, you know, they – might go flying past him and he goes holy crap i'm not ready for that or he may just go and oh, hang on. the gone. horns come out and <laughs> yes. he's like i'm gonna beat that kid and we're yet to find out who he is in yes. that environment yeah um because right. like i said i think in a perfect good. world you expose right. him and he hits the ground running right um, but you don't know that and that's the but whole you thing you don't it's know like and then you know i think that you know we we just got them their new bikes, you know, those little KTM Husky um, E50s, they call them. And as a dad and as somebody who's been exposed to this my whole life, I love them. You know, like the fact that one motorcycle and you got three different settings, you know, from Tate, Kaya to Pace, they're all on three different settings. For the height. Um, you know? For the height. Yep. And then, you know, then they have six different electronic modes. Um, I feel more safe at this level you know saying hey i'm going to put you on number three and it's going to be fast here but then i know that there's a there's an end to it doesn't just keep going like a two-stroke would um and then he just you know flies out of control and he i mean he shows skill already you know he stands up everywhere um which is something that you are typically yelling and screaming at your child to do um and he he won't, won't sit down. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows yeah. what we're in for. Um, but, yeah, I think that yeah, exposing just, him to yeah. the environment and then and then doing it in a way um, where I feel comfortable doing it. And yeah. On, you know, like when you ride a little, you know, two-stroke bike, it's those things can rip. And dad isn't ready for him, to, you know, to unleash him on that. I, I feel that the fact that I have some different modes – um, you know, put him at two and then three. And then if I see that he's completely capable and he knows where the brakes are and he's, you know, getting squirrely, but then he recovers and, you know, does the correct things, then we bump him up and we feed him to the sharks and see if he swims. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's what I mean for parents that are listening and they're like, well, my child wants to ride or they want to race, but then you don't know what what's the right step, you know, and as a parent, there's no handbook on anything you're trying to do. So I was like, well, if you can share, you know, your thoughts on what we would do with our own kid, that that might help someone else. So. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever a wrong or a right way to do it. It's just, you know, it's, it's all a belief. I had a way that worked for me and you tend to lean towards that because that was what you did and how it worked for you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being around you and the three children – everybody's different 
Yeah. You know, like you, exactly. you have Each to be. Each kid's different too, the way they take totally. it. I mean, and what they do. none like, of our children think different. the same. You yeah. know, they're all very, very different. Yeah, what triggers each one of them, you know, especially competitively, like the way I would speak to them, you know, about their each individual sports is so different. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing for you. No, I agree. So, yeah, we'll see. See where yeah. this goes with the motorcycle thing. Okay, so back to me. Just talking about me. Okay, when we went to the bush party, you obviously had broken your leg. So... <laughs> tell me a bit about that yeah i mean i you know a lot of the things that you said so uh rewind back so obviously we i feel like you're jumping right into it but i feel like the that's, first time that you and i <laughs> just get right in there this straight to i it. think that people need to know like uh what do they need to know about us about us um olympics in australia was in 2000 so we were lucky enough to go uh, on a bus tour, which is two hour bus ride from where we grew up down to Sydney. Yep. What was that 97? It was 97 because it was a year before I went pro, it was year nine. Um, yeah, ninth grade, we rode the bus down and we got to go and do the whole, of, mainly I remember the aquatic center. Yeah, um, that's all I remember too. You don't remember the, uh, we did do the, what do you call it, the sprinting, the track and field. You didn't do any sprints that day? Come know. on, you told the world you're going to be a sprinter and you're going to get back into I actually do, it. which now that you just brought that up, we'll just jump right in there and say, are you on for this? We're not jump. We're not going there yet. So. Ooh, he's scared. He's scared. So I've got him now. No, this is what I do. I jump around. We don't have to have rules in this podcast. You can say whatever you want. Hey, it's your podcast. But. We don't want people to get I bored. remember going and hanging out. Um, you know, typical your group, my group. We're all hanging out and. It was like the first time that we flirted and yeah that was really it and then nothing else really to cover on that one other than I did possibly throw a gherkin on you a pickle <laughs> yeah McDonald's pickles and we stopped at like. <laughs> the bus stopped at McDonald's and you know how you take well I don't eat pickles but I take the pickle and you put it on the on the McDonald's wrapper in Australia yeah, I was gonna way. say why is it a gherkin I have no idea. Now I'm confused. Yeah. My whole upbringing, I don't know why it's called a gherkin <laughs> with a pickle. <laughs> the kids always talk about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a gherkin. Yeah. But anyway, you put the pickle on the thing, and then you pull the paper, and the thing goes flying, and unfortunately, yeah, you landed. shot it on me. Shot it on you. It was on purpose. Yeah. That's the worst pickup line ever, just throwing pickles on people, by the way. It did get the touch of leg that day. Got the pickle off for you. <laughs> But anyway, um, so that was it. And then, you know, like we finished year nine. Um, and then I went, uh, I was 15 years old. So, you um, went to New Zealand. Yeah. So then I was basically out of the country for four months. I'm pretty sure I still didn't go on school camp because I was scared to leave my home. <laughs> and you're like living in New yeah, Zealand so you, with um, random parents. I Who was did you live with? I was going to go pro at 16. That was the plan. Um, my birthday wasn't until March. So then I went to New Zealand and turned pro because you can go pro at 15 there. Um, so I went and lived over there, basically lived with everybody. Um, lived with everybody? Just the whole of New I Zealand all in one? New Zealand. Okay, let's and like we, specify. Yeah, just, just with all I the mean, riders over there. There's probably not a whole lot more people in New Zealand than that, right? But back then it was so... I mean, 
we were recently in New Zealand. It's still, you know, quite a small country, but it's massively more populated and yeah. busy roads and highways and things like that than when I was, li you know, living there in, in 97. Um, Dave Craig, um, you know, kind of a family friend. He'd come along maybe two, three years prior to that. Um, I had made a trip to New Zealand when I was 13, 14. Um, and then, yeah, like one thing led to another, he, you know, like he was obviously mom and dad trusted him enough to put Where me on a, take you. yeah, put yeah. me on a plane and him, him be my, my, uh, like your guardian. my guardian. Yep. And he, yeah, basically bought a Toyota Hiace van and we literally went from motorcycle family to motorcycle family throughout the country. And, um, I just rode and trained and. And it's like I think about it now and it's like it's so crazy, like the valuable like life lessons that I learned. You know, yeah. when you're 15 years old, you're really starting to, you know, you're really growing into a, an adult. Um, you're, or at least you're having – I had to. Yeah, um, I was going to say I wasn't that mature. No, nah, you're still not. But <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> but um, I had to. I had to grow yeah. up, you know, like even to – take it back and jump around a little bit like you do. I mean, you're allowed. It's my podcast. We'll do whatever we want. I went to New Zealand. I mean, I went to Indonesia 12 times in one year uh, when I was 11. Yeah, Never once with my parents. Yeah, that gives I me was jumping sorry. on a plane from Sydney to Melbourne okay, by myself. Okay, can you imagine Tate next year going, Next no. year. I mean, you, I would you not let, let him? him? No, I barely let him walk up the street by you himself. You don't let him go up the street by himself. I'm scared for him to get the mail, Chad. Oh I'm like... God. Be careful of the road. It's just, yeah, like I, I think know, and it's crazy. It and is. it is and it's crazy. And I would be scared to let my child go and trust him with somebody else. Um, but yeah, like I would, I went there, you know, like, I mean, I would go with my, always with my cousin, you know, yeah, and with Craig. That is a um, big help. So, you know, like basically all my good and bad habits I learned from Craig. Um, thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. But uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I remember being 11 years old and they would dress me up and you know like I remember Bruce Wilkinson um who you know Craig was 16 um and he was young and obviously just a baby really but then here I was 11 and they would basically try to make me look even younger and put this hat on me and jeans and this whatever and dress me up and we would do this media thing like in a round you know round table in in barley and they're just life experiences that I've never even been to Bali. You know, we need to go there. You're super anti, and it's like I'm I, not anti. It's just we live so far away that it's like by the time we fly down there, now, it's like. Here. But uh, yeah. So I was really exposed to just yeah, that's life. You know what's crazy? I didn't to know me that is the story that you said when you like when you were 11 in Indonesia and you jump over a jump and there were just people there and just then all of a sudden there's thousands and thousands of spectators part that the seas and it was like you'd land and there was a time I lost you know I washed the front I was on a CR80 a Honda 80 um I think the youngest person was Craig at 16 and then other than that I want to say there was like an 18 or a 19 year old was the next youngest so here I am on a CR80 riding around at 11 years old and I was getting thirds and fourths in the actual yeah. overall race you know Craig would let me once or twice yeah um i think we were doing almost 30 minute motos you know like oh crazy to think that like at that age i was doing i remember coming off and anybody oh that gosh. knows indonesia it's, so it's like 
it's like my you know living in florida maybe that's why i was good in florida (laughs) but um yeah you would land and you're just like i washed the front and i didn't even hit the ground like they literally put me back on my bike and off i went you're like you're good um we were you know we were downtown bali and hanging out in the most amazing results you know just to give people a background um the two cigarette companies lucky strike and good garam were the same family um and the series that i was racing was the good garam series um and there was a yeah helmy was the boss and he had a kid that was same age as me and basically they wanted the kid to hang around and spend time with me to learn english um and we would literally just play in these and you didn't know it at the time because again going back to that perspective of what is normal yeah and i never knew that the front of the plane or the back of the plane was different (laughs) until i bought a airline ticket to europe and i'm like (laughs) you're like i'm like where's my fucking food (laughs) why are these people smoking next to me um i remember just losing my mind like why like i didn't know any different i mean i was at 11 years old i was getting a thousand us dollars which was at easily double so two thousand australian dollars to show up um they paid you some start money which was a thousand us they paid you your food i got to go and stay in the most amazing you know resorts in barley walking around with craig and I remember, yeah, like Rolex watches. Obviously, they were all fake. You didn't really know it, but they were all fake watches. And the guy's like, ah, 80,000, whatever their money was. And Craig's like, ah, just offer him 30. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, you're like, you're learning how to barter at 11 years old. So yeah. here I am all these years later. I know. That's yeah, why, I mean, now it. you know. And see, now you have a reality of why when we go to a car dealership or something, you have to get it cheaper than what they say. Uh, yeah. You, you, <laughs> me, I'm just like, oh, whatever you want. Whatever you want. The but same. yeah, so that's a little bit of my my background of what I was exposed to. Okay, um, so then? Then, you know, like going to New Zealand, I did that. And then when I came back, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm, I turned professional. And at the end of the day, you're still a 16 year old boy. And I, I didn't have a driving license that I could drive by myself. So I always had to have a licensed driver. Um, there's only so much riding training you can do. Um, mom and dad both worked. So like my schedule was always depressed. I always had to depend on somebody and it, and it like, it just drove me nuts. So there was a day where I'm like, screw this. I'm going to try to go back to school and go back to 10th grade. Um, this is already March. So you guys, you know what? We go back to school in February. Yeah. The start of February. So it wasn't like I had missed a whole lot of school. Um, I checked myself in and go to roll call, go to the first class. Don't even, I don't even remember what it was. Um, kind of sitting there for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And I'm just like, this is bringing back nightmares. Like, this is not me. Like, this is not who I want to be. And I literally grabbed my school bag and walked out of the classroom. I remember the teacher like, hey, you know, like, and I'm like, I'm done. They're like, what do you, you know, like. You (laughs) you can't be done. The lesson's not over. And I'm like, no, I'm done. And I went to the front office, check myself out. Um, Obviously, they were like, well, you need to improve. I'm like, yep call mom dad whatever you know because it was my choice mom and dad let me have that choice um you know like i 
was the one that made the choice to go to school and I thought that they would be as supportive of me saying, nope, it's not okay, I don't want to be here. Um, so yeah, that was it. Jumped on my BMX bike, rode it back to, you know, to the house. I think Craig came over that afternoon. Um, I went moto with him. So yeah, like that was it. Like I was, I was so alone and I, that didn't change, you know, but I had to make the choice. And once I made the choice to go pro and that was really what I wanted to do, I just kind of threw myself into that, um, and just immersed myself into, you know, riding. basically riding my BMX bike to the pool, doing laps, go home, eat lunch, ride my BMX bike back to the gym, do some ridiculous gym thing that was basically me and other high school dropouts playing racquetball. Cause I didn't like, I didn't like lifting. Like I didn't believe in lifting. So I didn't, I would go into the weight room and kind of look at everything and be like, yeah, boy. Campo, <laughs> Campo would lift and I would just be like, whatever. I, I swear all he ever did was uh, leg curls and calves. And when you look at him now, you know why. <laughs> and then we would just play. I was just a cardio guy. And so then we would just play um, racquetball and that yeah. was it. And then I would ride my BMX bike back home and. And then ride my motorcycle when uh, when mom or dad got home or Craig came came up to ride. Okay, um, so I'm fast forwarding it. You've broken your leg in Harvey Bay. Yeah. You couldn't race anymore. You're at home. There's a bush party on, and then what happens? So yeah, I ride my little Suzuki fifty um, scooter um, over. You know, which was really only what less than a mile away. Yeah. Um, you know you say bush party and I technically lived in the bush, um, <laughs> just a little, a mile further out in the bush than what Crystal did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I rode my, yeah, unlicensed, unregistered, just kind of rode it down the road. Yeah, and but that's bush life. It's bush okay, life. Okay, so when you showed up, because I don't remember, I just remember like I was at the fire and just like having me Southern Comforts loud. It's funny. That's yeah, all like, I remember. You yeah, probably remember a different... No, I don't really have like... I mean, you, I'm a believer that there's always intention in things. And was I excited and motivated because you were there? Probably. Um, yeah, let's not go with probably. No, I were I you? was. Yeah, I yeah. remember thinking. You can, you can peel off the layers. It's fine to talk about all these cute little I don't stuff. have clear memory other than just like, you know, like I do remember being interested and intrigued on getting to know and find out where where's Allie Brady at. So... Anyway, I go and, and obviously in this Stover family, like I knew from, you know, her brothers um, all raced motorcycles and whatnot. So I was exposed to the Stovers long before I moved to Curry Curry. So it was a party that I was going to where I knew yeah, the parents people. and things yeah. like that, not only my yeah. friends and high school friends. Um, so, yeah, like basically, yeah, like we're hanging out. One thing led to another. I, have, I don't have that memory. Like I don't know how we ended up kissing. I don't, other than you coming and asking if I had a fake leg and I just jump right on your lap. I'm like, yeah, fake leg. I just want to have kids with you. You did say that. I know. Were you like, yes, she wants me? Or did you think, oh, she this wants... chick's psycho. Did, is that what you thought? <laughs> no, I didn't. But I didn't, it didn't register really. It wasn't like a nah, sexual it, move, it, was no, it? No, it, it wasn't. I'll yeah, give, I'll I know. It wasn't like some And And at no point like... during the night was it anything no. like that i was no. really just we ended up 
hanging out and kissing and that was it. And then, you know, like I was hanging out inside at the end of the night, but you know, with the parents and yeah, we all were just. And then out. you stay. I think you believe you stayed the night, and I obviously left and went home. And the next week is the party we need to talk about. I think. Which which one? <laughs> well, there's two more parties. <laughs> yeah, but which one? Because now I'm like, which? Which one? Is that the one where I was at um, Holly McGarry's? That one was funny. That was hilarious. I rode a, actually, so, you know, I, I grew up as a Suzuki Amage kid. Um, I had a DR250. You crashed it. You remember that? Yes, I do. Your motorcycle career ended right there. People want to know why I wasn't riding a bike at um, Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, that's because every time I get on one, I just wash it out. Yeah. There's a handful of front brake. And I know. That doesn't work. I'm so aggressive. So I didn't want to crash in the middle of Holly's party was funny because okay. here I am like I you know, like I was like just I didn't even know how to explain myself. Like I would I didn't drink. I didn't You were anti drinking and you thought I was that super anti drinking. You didn't have a drink of alcohol until what you were twenty two. Twenty two, yeah. Okay, so he was very anti drinking, which I absolutely loved about him. Um I was, I think, it was neither here nor there. Like for me, it was just a normal whatever. Like I grew up in a dungeon. <laughs> Literally, that's what they called the dungeon where it's like after football, they would go to a place called the dungeon mm -hmm. and it'd be just drunk footballers everywhere, like adults. And we would just hang out and that was just my normal, yeah. you know? Like, no, and I mean, I grew up around it too. My, you so know. it wasn't a weird thing for me for everybody to just, you know, like especially football team culture, that's just how I grew up so I went to my friend's house um, who had a really older sister and so we were drinking passion pop which is the cheapest crap <laughs> freaking wine you could ever drink and literally playing like sculling games and stuff like that and I ended up so sick which so I'm then I show up for. at the party everyone's like it wasn't a party there was like 10 people there there was a party okay it's not officially a party there so back then, which is kind of funny when you think about it, and obviously I listen to your podcast and it's like you talk about like us sharing a cell phone. Um, I had a cell phone, you know, like I was probably, it was rare that a 16-year-old back then had a cell phone, but yeah. I, I had to pay the bill, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I, I had a phone and I just remember, I didn't even know how or whether you called me the girls called me someone whatever you. so then we were like all right i'll go over and i well, that's went because you gave me a business card with your name on it yeah <laughs> um so then i show up at the party and ellie is just done she's <laughs> sloppy as drunk everyone's like she's in the shower and here i am we haven't done anything you know, hadn't seen you naked, hadn't seen anything. And you're just <laughs> jumping in the shower. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, do I really have to look after this chick right now? And you what? You left? No, I I made sure that you're in the shower and the girls are looking after you. And then I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. I'm out. <laughs> like, this bitch is crazy. This I'm chick's out of crazy. Here. And so then I, yeah, I left. I, I would wasn't, just like to point I, out. And that I, the, didn't, I didn't want to see like that. Yeah, I didn't want to... No, thank you. That was very respectful. I didn't, you know, like my first time seeing you wasn't going to be when you would... <laughs> I was drunk and disorderly yeah. in the shower. Don't tell my mom that. 
Yeah, that happened, Paula. Okay, look, we have a family motto. One's not enough, a hundred's too many. Yeah, but you still live by that today. I can't help it. It's in my gene pool, unfortunately. That's not true. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, I so that help it. that was one of the parties, and then, uh, and then obviously, yeah, like we, you know, like I started, you know, soon thereafter, starting getting back into writing and training and when whatnot. When did we actually become official? You came over to meet my parents. Yeah, and I remember um, all the boys were there. I think, like, I remember I came over when there was a group there. I didn't like it. Wasn't like I came over official. Yeah. Um, what position I, does he play? Yeah, uh, I was the boyfriend, but I wasn't necessarily. It wasn't really a. Just a one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came over with the boys. Oh, the boys were there actually. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, here's all the boys here. Why isn't Chad here? And so then I think I came over later on. Yeah, I did have a lot of friends. So I was a bit of a social butterfly. Totally. Um. So yeah, like we we hung out, and obviously I got to meet your dad, and I don't remember meeting your mom at that point. I think. Yeah. I, I want to say it was during, like, during the daytime. Time. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> um, and your dad was home. Obviously, he works dog watch or whatever. He so, did, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I got to meet your dad. And then, really, I mean, everything fast-forwarded after that. I mean, we kind of... It's kind of weird because I was saying, like, I never not... Like, I, I always knew you were going. So I never thought, oh, we have to make this official thing and where are we going? Because I always thought oh, we're just doing this and then he'll go. And so, but then it was kind of like we never weren't together. Like I would be on holidays and like in a payphone booth somewhere Mm -hmm. and like calling you and, you know, you would be, you know, overseas or somewhere and calling me from somewhere. I remember my... uh, Just keep talking, right? I mean, we did. We talked a lot, Yeah, no matter where you were. And there was no said like, Oh, we're super official. We're date. I mean, we knew it, right? Yeah. It didn't need to be sad. You didn't have to. Well, back then, wasn't like it had to be Instagram official. Yeah, right. So it was just like, yeah, like it was just there was, you know, like we would obviously. It's funny to even say dating because it's like I know. Where do we go? Lone Star. Yeah, didn't really. Yeah. When you first started driving, and we went to Lone Star. We'd get a Lone Star all the time. But it's not like we dated. I mean, you lost your license when you. Got it, and I used to drive your car. You, in, you inherited my car. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. What about when you picked me up from school one day and you doubled me home through the bush on the handlebars? Yeah, it was your, you're still in year 10. Yeah, it's a lot. BMX and three on the bars and off we went. Okay, so how That was the day that I think I went to your house for the first time. Yeah, with probably. And all the, the whole, like, your all your friends. Um, everyone and then just the, left school early. Probably. Yeah, everyone just left early and went. Okay, so... Because you were a lot more switched on as far as where you were going, what you were doing. Like I was just kind of like doing my homework. I worked as a checkout chick at Bilo, which was a grocery store in our town. You know, I mean, I had such a, a you know, little simple age-appropriate existence at the time. Whereas you were planning forward and you were going, you know what I mean? Like you were in the workforce basically. And so... I'd kind of thought, oh, I'm going to go to university and who knows where I'm going to go next. You were leaving and going overseas. When did you know, like once you got the contract and stuff to go to Europe, when did you decide that you were going to ask me? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yeah, I don't know if I ever really thought about it. Um, I mean, I guess I have. Like I, 
I remember why, but it what I find interesting about us being, you know, younger, 16, 17, 18 years old is, is you know that something's real when, like, we always wanted to be around each other. Yeah, right. You know? Like, I... If you weren't at my house or I wasn't at your house, we'd be on the phone. Um, Which was the whole point of my cover. For right? The thing. Totally, yeah. I and mean, that's And that brings back such a smile for me. Like, I love that time yeah. of our life. And, yeah. Like, I remember coming to America at the end of 2008. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I when I started back up, I went to America. I was there for, I think oh. I... 98 not 2008 sorry i was like um yeah in a lot going on yeah in 98 so decade before um (laughs) i was 16 and you know back riding and part of my um you know contract was that suzuki would pay pay my way uh bring me to america and i would get to do a couple of races and then i would go back and start the series which the first race was in newcastle um and like the whole time I was gone, like I was on the phone and, you know, it was like the first reality of like mom tells you, Chad, and she's yelling and screaming at me because my phone's, you know, $1,500. And I'm like, well, and I kind of didn't really care. It's like, it's my money, you know, like. Yeah, you did like, blow. Like Plus I would talk, to, we would talk. so expensive So different, then. you know, and it I think so Australia in, in particular. Oh my gosh. Did not have Boost Mobile back then. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, it would have. But yeah, so then we do Newcastle. That's your first race you come to. Um, oh my God, what did you think about my shirt? Your shirt was, was interesting. That's a terrible because word. Because here I am as the shy, super shy. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, like I was starting to become a little bit popular, you know, winning races and at that level yeah. and whatnot. Sorry, I didn't So know it's that. like, no, I, it was cool. Like I, deep down, I thought it was rad. But then I was like, the shy part of me was like, oh my gosh. She's got a she's fucking shirt on. wearing a shirt with an R on it. <laughs> I didn't even know if you had the R. Yeah, I think, no, I think you I wore the, the E. I had the E. Yeah, you L-E-E, did. You totally did. like, whatever. But it was funny. Like, it yeah. It was cool. And um, I just, I didn't really have this set out plan of, of anything other than when I got the opportunity to go to Europe. Um like I think about it now and I'm like, what was I, 18? Mm-hmm. At 18 years old, the decisions that I made was pretty cool, like pretty impressive. Yeah, really. they're massive. You know, like, I mean, I made a massive, massive life decision at that point and I felt like I was dealing with it all in my own thing because like you mentioned, like in our family, we didn't talk. It wasn't like it was table talk and, you know, that I openly was like, hey, mom and dad, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. Like it didn't really. You didn't even say it to me. No. And I just, like I I felt things out and it's kind of like there was a, back then there was a guy, Johnny Stefano, and he wasn't, you know, he was kind of, he was known for training and working hard, but he was really small and didn't really you know, achieve from 125 to 250. And I didn't even know why that name come up, but there was, there was at one point, there was a discussion of like, Hey, you should take him, you know, like he's going to be the guy that keeps you on the straight and narrow and, you know, does your training training. and does all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of like, okay. And, you know, and I, I gave it serious thought. Um, I thought about taking Campo with me. Um, I thought that, you know, like that would be the most natural 
easiest thing. He's one of my, was my best friend. I was around him daily. He would have been very snuggly. He would have been really <laughs> snuggly. We would have snuggled. <laughs> um, had to. No, if you don't know him, he's like, I mean, he was my bodyguard. About, he is like Legit a bodyguard. My bodyguard. Like <laughs> anyone that wanted to fuck with Chad, he would like beat the shit out of like, him, basically. Kill him. Yes. Yeah. Like, and still today, we'd probably do the same. <laughs> I know. Thanks, probably maybe Campo. more. Yeah. He's pulled us out of a few good, um, you know, yeah. a few issues. Um, so then, like, I was basically in my mind, I was like running through all these things, and I'm like, like, at some point, you know, like, do I want to hang around with, you know, like, like 24-7, it isn't about riding and training. Yeah. And I never was like that. No. And maybe, I don't know, like, even today, I'm not, like, like 24-7. Yes, 24-7 back then, did I think about racing and getting yes. better? And Yes, 100%. But I didn't think it was realistic at any point to think that I could sustain 24-7 living with another guy that's trying to hold you accountable or You've whatever. You've never been that way, no, by the way. No, never. Ever. So then I was like, well, I want to take Ellie. You know, like I was just starting to think to myself. I never verbalized that to anyone. And I was just kind of like, well, why would I not take her? Like, I l absolutely love being around her. She, I feel like you, you exposed me to all the things that I was not ever exposed to. Um, and in a weird way, I wanted more of that, and it was it was <laughs> I funny. Feel it's good, huh? I'm like, oh, I feel no, like, like I, you, you were different. You didn't come from moto. You didn't, you know, like you embraced. You didn't hold me back. Like at no point did I ever feel that you held me back um, in anything that I dreamed of doing. So then I was like, I don't think that it's this stereotype. Girls are bad that I grew up with, you know, that yeah. was the household that I grew up in, that kind of girls come along, they ruined, you know, everything. They took your money and that was it. Like that was, that not even my household, that is the sport and still to this day kind of thinks that way. Um, so for me, it was like, I made the call and I said, I want you to come. I, I think I, I actually think I asked you. you. We were in your room. I asked you before I asked anyone. Um, I think we talked to your family before I talked to mine. Yeah, um, <laughs> for you. I thought it was like, why, yeah, if you're not allowed to come, then yeah. why, or you didn't want to come, why open that can of worms in my house? Um, Did you know it was going to be a can of worms? 100% knew it was going to be a can of worms. I, 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 I never I knew it was a very, can of worms. very clearly knew what I was getting myself into, yes. Yeah, whereas I hadn't yet, been exposed to that side of it because I think in my mind and I could be wrong but I, I feel like maybe they assumed I was temporary yeah and I you know what I mean because I never felt that before that you know what I'm saying in a lot of ways you kind of thought that too which is funny because I didn't think he nor there on that like it was yeah. just but that's what I'm saying like I never, it was like you are my obviously you're my girlfriend but yeah. you are my like my best friend that was there for everything i started you know starting attending all your things you were starting to come to more races you came to perth um you know i went to cool and gather after donations flew straight from france to yeah, um vacation with us. to it vacation just, you, it we became a part of each other's family but that's yeah. what i'm saying like i was at all these things so i never ever felt like i wasn't 
part of your family too. And I don't know that, like, I it was obviously I listened to your podcast, it was, and it's yeah. it's a very sensitive subject. Yeah. Still to this day, that relationship with my parents isn't good, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that the way you covered it was, was perfect, and I think that your perspective on it and your look is is yours, you know? And yeah. no one gets to take that away from you. For sure. And I think that uh, when I made that decision and – um, I knew that they were going to disapprove. Did I know that dad was going to say, you know, hey, this is what I think. And if you don't do it, then I wipe my hands on you. And it's like 22 years later or 20 years later. What is it? Um, that burns and eats at me. And I hate it. But when I made the decision... I knew the decision that I was making and and maybe he didn't accept what he said. And but when he said that I actually gave it thought and thought I'm good. I'm good with you wiping your hands on me at this point. I'm ready to go be an adult and make the decisions that I want to make to make my life to be the way that I want it to be. Um so yeah crazy to think that here we are all these years later but the decision I made was obviously a big decision and probably a decision that even at 18 years old like I kind of knew like you like I acknowledged that it was a very important huge. huge decision do I know that it was the decision that I was making as a 37 year old no but there was a sense that I need to make this decision that's best for me. Because um, I knew that. I couldn't take mom or dad there. That wasn't, was never. That was never even a it possibility. It wasn't ever even an option. Um, because you have a brother and a younger sister and they yeah. had work and everything else. So it was never a consideration of me or them. It was, they just felt that, you know, they again, it was a strong belief within the whole motorcycle community that girls were coming in there to take take away from everything that all these families had worked so hard for, you know? Yeah. So, And I guess, you know, and I think that you covered it correctly. It's like, as a parent, you try to understand it. It's, it's extremely hard to know and what I, the right thing to do, say, I whatever. thought at some point between then and now, 20 plus years yeah. that I could have made sense of it. It's 22 years. Yeah. And I still can't make sense of it, you know? Oh, it's 20 years since that decision. That decision, yeah. yeah. I mean, 22 years since, we you know, started we, we started dating, but 20 years. It 20 was, years later and it's still not And it's still, and it's, yeah, and I mean, it still feels like a fresh band-aid getting pulled off, you know? Um, it sucks. It sucks to lose your... I mean, everything that you know for 18 years kind of goes away, you know, like, because at no point, like, I don't look at my childhood and hate it. No. I I would want my children to live the childhood that I got to live. Same. You know? Yeah. Like, I think we were both extremely lucky. I am loved. so unbelievably thankful for the things that my parents gave me the opportunity of doing. And I love my mom and dad. I still can sit here and honestly say that I love my mom and dad. Do I agree with my mom and dad? Do I, you know, and I cut that off. Like I made that decision, you know, like I cut that relationship off because 
it just wasn't healthy. And as somebody who has a wife and three kids, like it was just a day to day thing that I didn't think was healthy and it wasn't okay. And finally I had to say, this is, this is not okay. This is not how I want to live and not how it's not a healthy relationship. You know, like I got off the phone feeling like I had so much hate that I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So it was just easy to not communicate anymore. So here we are. Right. Yes. <laughs> no, it's it's a shitty subject. Right? Is but it's real. Yeah, yeah it is. I think is that what anything more you want to add to that? I would probably just say like it's so easy to say it because you know, like I think that when you groom you know, when you look at the big picture mm-hmm. and you look at, you know, you you allowed your 11-year-old child to go international. You allowed your 15-year-old child to go international for four months and live without you. At what point did you not think that this child you were grooming was not going to want to be, make his own decisions, you know? And I think that that's... But also, they had to have known you were going and they were not... It wasn't that they weren't happy that you were had that opportunity. Oh, no, they were so happy. So I mean, my, happy. That's everything you've all worked for. I think that if for. you had mom and dad on here, they would both... I think they're... I Deep down, they're obviously probably... The, the surface is probably they're emotional and they probably have some, you know, thing, we disagree on things. But I think that at the end of the day, they're they're proud, you know. Like, I'm proud for what I got to do and how I got here. Um, I would never change any of any of that part of it but that's what i'm saying the only part that really went sour was when i was the one going yeah and i just i didn't know if it was that i never handled it correctly or whatever and and it's like i hate to think like that but like you're young you know i'm not the adult at that point and i think that at some point you have to adult and you have to think like a grown-up um and I don't, I don't feel like they did. Yeah. The hardest part was for me was it just kept going and going and going. I mean, like there was no as point. recently as a couple of years ago, it was still going until I said, that's, that's enough. Yeah. That, that was the hardest part for me. It's like, okay, you know, but we had a great success in Europe. Like I felt like. And I think know? the way you put it and how you like, <laughs> You, you said that, like, I actually think we would, did we fight or did we just, was it just emotions? I don't really remember, but I remember you, you kind of said, like, when we got to, what did we go through, Singapore or something like that? Oh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong, well, I, think, I think, maybe. Um, but I think even sitting on the ground in Sydney, it was like just the emotions that both of us were feeling, right? Oh, my I gosh. Mean, and I think from the hardest thing for me that that probably the hardest like thing to get over for me was the decision I made was huge. And the one thing that I was always afraid of was you becoming homesick and that I was somewhat taking you out of the you know, taking you out of the nest. Or taking you away from, <laughs> me away from yeah, my family, and, and that it was going to be your fault. Like my, the decision that I made as an 18-year-old kid, it's really unfair, the things that I felt and had to feel. 
because I did. I took it on myself because, you know, my parents, you know, acted a particular way. So then I was forced into like thinking, well, shit, here I am now. I've made this big decision. I've somewhat, for the most part, lost my parents' support. So now I'm 18 <laughs> no, years fucked. old. If she if she blows up, you, you know. So <laughs> then I just basically immerse myself in like I need to make this thing work with with Ellie and I, and I need to make it okay, and I need to create space that she's happy. And it wasn't all roses, you know. Like it was hard. Like like what yeah. you said. Remember when we went? But I feel when in we went, general, like, when we went think, testing and oh my God, that whatever, first initial part was fucking hard. And still today, you and I are terrible in other people's environment. And yeah. it's so funny that like when we finally moved into our little two bedroom Belgium apartment, oh, we were perfect. We were we yeah. were perfect. Like we're always I don't that believe, way. We like, like our own program. We just do our own thing. Yeah. We don't have a lot of people hanging off or hanging on. No. We just want to be on our own deal. I think we're both pretty independent people that it's like, no, I like it this way and we're just yeah. Yeah. So just like I think that experience and then everything I agree hundred percent with what you had to say on your um our trip to Europe, you know, like I just Oh my gosh, can I tell a funny story? What's the funny story? Okay. So, um, remember when we were, I don't remember what race it was at, but we were parked. It's so weird when you can just picture certain things. Anyways, remember you guys, um, Andrew and Natalie were in the, um, motorhome. We were in their camper thing and you guys would lock me out of the <laughs> motorhome and I would do like, a back when, Deuce Bigelow, uh, yeah, Mal Deuce Bigelow was, uh, it was probably it was brand new movie back popular. then. Yeah. But and yeah, I like, would do the lady with Tourette's and like carry on <laughs> and they would lock me out and I would just stand at the window and like carry on like, shit, shit, or. <laughs> yeah. And Andrew would literally he bust was, up oh laughing. Oh my gosh, he was laughing I mean, literally so tears coming out of his eyes and that to me like, you know, we lost Andrew, um, it'll be almost 10 years ago in April and they were our best friends. He, um, you know, he was killed in a first turn crash in australia and they were our best friends um and in europe like i said we exactly. just have so many beautiful memories and so that's one of them and so i mean i'll never i will never forget it but it just the i mean seriously just random just funny stories laughing. like things that you like i feel like we we acted both we acted like 18 year old kids and yeah. then we acted like grown-ups when yeah. we needed to yeah and but I, I think feel like that that's who I am. That is yeah. who you are still today. Lock me out and, of and the I motorhome think and I just carry in on. my environment, our environment, I'm yeah. like that too. Yeah. You know, like put me out in the world. I'm a little closed off, but yeah, but that's fair. The story that I that comes to mind when we think of Europe is: Do you remember when Natalie and Andrew? Um, I don't know if they were by themselves or they had the driver. I think they had the driver always. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who the driver was. I can picture him but i can't think of his name yeah anyways carry on boo something like oh bozo was it bozo bozo yeah. yeah um and they would i don't remember what way was it actually going to first race was it going to spain when they got uh gassed oh my gosh yes <laughs> so they were in the south so of france in the south of france and i don't know if were we the gypsies they were going to the french a... gp or were we actually going to the first race I'm i, I want to say we're going to the I'm not sure, but first race Anyway, so they pull up at a park, um, you know. Well, at a gas station, and there's parking areas for, like, trucks and stuff and like that. Camper and camper so, vans and yeah, things exactly. like that. Anyway, long story short, they get gassed. 
basically where you, they pump sleeping gas into the motorhome when you're actually sleeping. Yeah. And then they break into the motorhome, take all your credit cards. So then basically everything's. You wake up and you, you wake up and you don't normal. think. Yeah, you look normal. You drive off and, you, and but then, then all your credit cards are gone and by yeah. then you're they've rang up your credit cards and whatnot. You yeah. Know. So anyway, that was part of the story. But <laughs> on the way home from Spain, Ellie and I pull over to truck stop. And in we, the back of your mind, we know this story. Now we're scared we know this every story time we and we're like freaking out. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're you know, like in the bed. little motorhome and, and next minute, you know, you're kind of like somewhat sleeping with half an eye open and, and, you know, you hear something and it's, it just starts going, <laughs> and, and Ellie and I just dive under the covers and we're like, we're getting gassed. We're getting gassed. <laughs> anyway, it was the, uh, a truck that, yeah. you know, the old air brakes now that we know. Yeah. Uh, trucks trucks have air brakes and basically they put on the park brake that's an air brake and it just goes, you know, blows off air. And, oh, my gosh. And we Ellie and I gassed. wake up just freaking out thinking that we're getting gassed and oh my gosh it was so funny and it that was, was kind of like the long yeah the long was, story that just kept going and going and going it and it was it was it was awesome but i mean we had so much fun in europe i feel like you know yeah. like just i mean the little fights that we had i remember us just battling and you said it but when we went through luxembourg oh. it was like the first time driving the motorhome and it's like it's a not a huge it's not like a motorhome here in america but it's like a camper van but growing up driving a toyota high ace and here i am used to driving on the right side of the road or the should i say steering wheel on the right side and then now i'm having to learn the opposite the opposite and the steering wheels on the left side you're going through these little we're going on yeah no no gps no tom toms no whatever no no google maps or apple maps back then um i feel like we didn't know anything like i feel like i went to europe and i was like i'm gonna fucking clue where i'm going st- i wish we still had that atlas that'd be pretty awesome oh, i probably do somewhere i mean seriously. so then we we're driving and we're heading to spain and all we pretty much know is like you have to follow the page till it gets to a certain point and wherever it gets to that and then you have to go to the to the that part of the map and ellie gets me lost and i'm driving through like what feels like pe- you know paved what do they yeah, call the those over there? Cobblestone thing, yeah. roads that the Tour de France races on through Luxembourg, and the smallest roads I'd ever driven on in my life. You were flipping and out, I'm like, and I'm like, get me I the fuck out of here! <laughs> Why? They're, and like, literally, it was going alongside the freeway. I'm like, we're supposed to be over there, <laughs> you idiot! We were so close. We were so close, and then oh that was. Gosh. I mean, it's... we had a few moments like that, but other than that, it was just okay. But how hard oh. is it? I've never read a map before. I'm I... like, I've never even been overseas before, <laughs> and here I've got all these responsibilities that I was not cut out for, but That's I did so it, didn't funny. I? Got you to everyone. Got we did. We made it. Yeah, so good. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, like when we got pulled over, your story was wrong. You said we we're in uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. We're actually in Austria. Austria. It was the last uh, GP of the season in Austria, and we were we were leaving Austria. In the uh, Austria, yeah, Austria. Well, good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're on Australian passports. Yeah, it was Dutch visas. Living in Belgium, 
driving an Italian registered yeah. car. <laughs> Try to explain that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were not equipped. But we did not have anybody hidden in the back and windows, no drugs, no money, so they let us go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What um what do you think was your biggest like learning experience in Europe? You know, as far as that stepping stone because you really didn't want to go there first, but yeah, so like, I think later on you felt... I'm only, like I'm kind of going back to what I heard on the podcast, what you said, and kind of like how you said it and how I remember it. And like you said, I remember every race. Yeah, you do. The first race was in Spain, and we did awesome. I finished 8th or ninth. Yeah. 8th, ninth. Don't remember. You remember that stuff. I remember what the dirt looked like. I want to say I was 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you having to go and get the porta potty out of the thing oh and carry gosh, the little shitter thing dim. and empty it out. Like mm-hmm. how gross! That was but seriously. You had to go dump it in another porta potty. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the amount of shit transportation. Right then and so there, gross. I knew I was going to have a bus driver for the rest of my career. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know that I've ever dumped oh. a t- the the the. What do you call it? The black water or the yes, gray water? Ever, ever. In the like, US. I literally, that, re- like, I like, refuse. I'm like, no, that's your job. That's what I pay you for. <laughs> you're like, I can't do oh it. Oh, my God, I'm not doing early. it. I was so scared. But they're but the details you- of racing that I remember. Just all the weird little random yeah. stories. Whereas you remember, you know, the tracks, the lines, the finishing and all that stuff. So, so the Spain, probably one of my favorite tracks. Amazing on the side of a hill. Um... Seville, Spain, I remember. Um, no, it wasn't. It was Bellevue. It was Bellevue. You're right. I'm wrong, actually. Yes. Seville was the Supercross. <laughs> yes. My bad. <laughs> Bellevue. Mm-hmm. If that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, we probably said it wrong. Yeah, that's... But yeah, no, you're 100% right. So then... Yes! The racing One went thing. well. Like, I was in the top 10. Yeah. You know, my first ever 250 GP... Um, I was in a top 10. I think Mikel, my teammate, finished third. Yeah. So it was kind of like, was perfect. you know, like I still come off the track like, okay, you know, like yeah, I was happy was but good. not happy. Yeah. Um, and then. Forward to the next weekend. Then the two weeks later was uh, Valkenswag, which is sandy but not considered a gnarly sand race. Um, but what made it gnarly is we had typical Dutch weather. Um, but anyway, I basically knew that these guys were gnarly. I mean, the first time that I rode was at Lommel, and I was 12 seconds a lap slower than Joel Schmetz and Stefan. And I'm like, and I considered myself a pretty damn good sand rider. Like, I grew up. <laughs> You're like, ooh, this is going to require some work. I grew up riding in the sand quite regularly as a kid. Hey, you probably yelled at me and was like, Ellie, I think you've uh, done the laps wrong. And I, well, I wasn't you. I wasn't worried about your lap time. I was worried about Jan's. Yeah. You know, he didn't miss a yeah, beat. Yeah, I know. And Jan had 18 stopwatches hanging around his neck or whatever. And, and 30 cigs. Yeah, 30 cigs. <laughs> and he just still didn't miss it. Yeah. And I just remember being like, like, you're 12 seconds slower. And I'm like, how? Like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, like, I jump in behind Joel and like, yep. Yeah, it's definitely no. That's that's a big gap, <laughs> and so this is all prior to going to the first GP. This was already just kind of like part of the off season, and I'm like, shit, like I really need to improve in the sand or, you know, get up to speed. Um, so with the weather, we went to I don't know if you remember, we went out to um, 
it was basically in the beach like yes i do dunkirk yes right yes the beaches of dunkirk i mean it's literally like, like england's across literally the, water. the fucking beach it was the nastiest yeah roughest track i had ever re- like i swear to god i was doing one lap motos yeah. like, let me tell you it was probably a three minute lap time but that was it and i couldn't like my back would blow out and i remember pishon and like the whole paddock was there because it was the only place we could ride because of the weather and those dudes were just machines yeah you know and here i am 18 year old kid and i just think you're just that you're boy weak you're not man strong yet and though i was talented and good i probably didn't realize it at that point but now like i didn't have that man strong um thing anyway i massively overdone it i was toast even going into the weekend i think i qualified 17th or 18th actually i think it was a better qualifying result i was maybe 11th um on a single lap pace but like the gate dropped and i had just nothing to give i had burned the candle at all ends crashed five six times probably lapped i think what did i finish 16th 18th maybe yeah it was crap very crap um and then the next race was Broadford, Australia. Yeah, but what did you think of my pep talk then? Was that like lit you on fire for the next? I don't. Week, or I don't just... have memory of that conversation. Like I remember. He's like I've already shut down. No, I remember coming into the back of the thing, sitting on the stand, and fully just having a meltdown. Yeah, and I think at that point is when I probably acknowledged to myself that I just I overdid it. I had so much expectation and I had this burning desire to prove my parents wrong. So I think I just, I finally was like, this, this is unsustainable. You know, like I can't, like I have to find my own way forward. Yeah. Um, so That's like, so I, yeah, great after like, all these years, you didn't hear a damn word I said. No, I, 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 I remember I don't remember word for word or like yeah. feeling one way or another because I was so, you know me and you could probably ignore it. In your own head. I was on, in my own head of like my own things and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like just like this is not like this can't be who I am. Like I'm not an 18th place finisher like this. I'm going to be on the next plane home to Australia. Yeah. Um, and you're like, if this, fuck that. We can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next race was in, in Broadford, which was Australia. So the Australian GP. And then really going home, I mean, you're, you're, you know, the, you're tearing up another bandaid, you know, from the second we got picked up at the airport, the whole two weeks we were in Australia was horrendous. Mm-hmm. It was the shittiest trip I've ever had. And just, yeah, like, I don't really care to go into it, to be honest. You don't have to. Um, but yeah, like it just wasn't a good trip from all aspects of family, um, even my brother. Um, and so I went, I went with a very clear vision of what I was going to do in Melbourne. Um, I was going to go fucking prove people wrong and in particular my parents and just crush it. Um, we went there, I crashed in the second turn, came from last back to fourth. Um, and like just rode myself, like rode like a man, like a machine all the way through the field. Um, and from that point on, we, I got on the plane, we got on the plane back to Europe, and it was just, I feel like the vision was clear. You know, yeah. like we, 
we knuckled down. I feel like we we found our routine we, too. We, we found like, our routine, and and that's something that you can't you can't teach anybody that. Like no. when you throw two young people that have never lived together, never lived life together. I mean, outside of their their parents, yeah. There's a there has to be a learning curve yeah. like that you have to kind of that's expect. what i mean you know like i felt so young going there because it's not like now like i feel like my kids want to well our kids want to know something they just look it up and then they can see it and they've got a visual for it and they can learn about it so quickly and easily it was like like we were going to go and sit there and read one of those big fat books where they go europe you know and it's like <laughs> this you know like pages and pages of crap and it's like okay you know like there, there, I didn't have a reality on what the picture of life moving forward was. Mm -hmm. It was just, okay, we're going. And it was like literally like we're in a tunnel with, you know, a dark tunnel where it's like, I don't know where the end is and I don't know where we're going, but we're doing it. And, and I think we, made we it shared up. that. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't like, I mean, yeah, did I have a clear vision of like of a motorcycle finishing point? Yes. Yeah. But as far as life, like it didn't, it yeah. was all new and fresh and I just think that the rhythm started to happen. We started to feel more comfortable in Europe, you know, like we were, you know, like we started embracing the the lifestyle there, yeah. you know, bought rollerblades, we bought bicycles, riding the canals. Yeah. I started finding my routine of training. Um, I found where I fit into that as far then, as the team and yeah. stuff. So then it was like I was busy because, I mean, for me, I'm happy if I'm busy. Totally. And I think that uh, when you take a young kid from a country like Australia, you know, the weather's for the most part beautiful all the time. Then you throw them in this dark, cloudy, nasty, not nasty, I don't mean it like that, but like just the a... The weather is... It's very gloomy. Seasonal depression. You know, and then no track in Holland or Belgium open until one. Yeah, Remember that? It was so weird. We would sleep until 1130. Yeah, like I've never slept that much in my life. No, and it wasn't like because we're out partying. It was just no, like the the didn't even get light until then. Yeah, <laughs> it was just really it was a it was a it was we didn't a big party at all. By the no, way, no, not at I all. I drank one time at a German international. At a German international, Ellie spoke German. Yeah, I did fluently. Vodka Red Bulls, and she there was, was the fluent. Only time I've ever <laughs> drank an energy drink, like, and I swear I drank one, and I pinged for the rest of the night and I was like I will never do that again mm -hmm. yeah it was terrible <laughs> now I know oh. the, the tents would go and sing all night you couldn't sleep could you no it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, yeah so just that experience and I think that finding your rhythm of like okay I get up and I go for a run and I do this and you know it started to find the the rhythm yeah. And then the results started coming. My first podium was in Spa. And then, uh, yeah, and then, like, once you get that first podium, it's like you start believing. And, you know, once you start believing, it's all it's all downhill from there. You know, does like, you, that, just, you just go with it. Does that ever change? No. 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 I feel like every year, you know, like, it doesn't matter. It's like as soon as you get in that point where you're like, okay, I'm comfortable. I'm where I need to be. Let's just get it done, and then you start. You you would start just rattling it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's still the same today. Yeah. So yeah, Europe was was awesome, and and though I didn't 
plan to go there. Um, I couldn't think of life without it. Yeah. Like I think that. I think it was good for you and for us. Yeah, like it was a an amazing stepping stone. And I think, I truly believe why a lot of Australians that post me. Um, Racers that have, that have yeah, come after you. Yeah, that yeah? have come after me. I think that that's why they're so short-lived. Because it's it's cutthroat here. Like you oh sink gosh. or swim. You're in and, and if you do not deliver, you are out. Yeah. And I was I was fortunate to experience the little things that you you can't teach anybody you know like yeah. the even just from the, the press the, conferences the the expectations of a factory race team the you know like the, i feel like the, all the of stuff that, that you learn too from like jan and his team and the way he operates and he he was such testing a and tinker you know yeah. like he would build stuff and just being exposed to that and just learning from somebody like that you know i think just life lessons that you can't you can't get it you can't you can't teach that you know like no. you have to experience it so that's what and, i and it love felt about like a safer a safer place to experience it you much know? yeah because yeah. i mean that's what i said everybody was so much nicer and more supportive as opposed to here everybody wants to hate you as soon as you're good you know what i mean and it's just like and i feel like you not that you don't have a life here because i don't i love it here and this is our life this is where yeah. You know, you and I both don't have a desire to leave. But it's so different. The racing is people do not understand what it's like to do 17 races in 18 weeks. Yeah. Take a weekend off and then go head first into outdoor nationals. Um 12 races in probably what 16 weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um it is a insane schedule. Yeah. No sport in the world does the on-track riding training that what we do? Yeah, there ain't there. I can promise you, there is yeah. no sport in the world that does the amount of the uh, stuff that we riding. do from Monday to Friday, yeah. and then do it all again on Saturday, yeah. and then fly home, and then do it again on Monday, and just keep repeat, repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat. And so, Europe was not like that. It was every two weeks. You seeming not that we did any you know sightseeing or everything like that but i felt like you you could breathe <laughs> you had a minute to breathe you had a minute we to, started to recover to train to you got to implement all we the started to do the to. german internationals and yeah. then remember when like those races we would get some start money i think i started out at like a thousand bucks a weekend and by the end i was getting five thousand bucks and like that was like i remember just being like dude this is cool like yeah this is awesome. Well, it was I've made awesome it. We're making 5,000 bucks a weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And we were like, we just put it away and it's like, we'll take that. We'll, we'll take that to America, America, right? Everything yeah. was like, that's it. Yeah. We'll, we'll take it to that's America. That's what I said. I'm like, we barely, we hardly bought anything, you know? It was like, nope, we're saving for America. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was just like the experience that we did and getting to see it. And, you know, Shane and Nuvet were, I don't know how much older they're probably 10 years older than us. I don't know, but yes, Sorry, they Shane were. Sorry, yeah. if you are not. No, it has yeah, to be. Yeah, Because they're, yeah, they Je were. Jeremy's 10 years older than us. He has yeah. to be Jeremy's age. Yeah. Um, You know, so Shane and Yvette, probably 10 years, and they'd been in Europe easily yeah. 10 years. So they knew, like, they, 
you know, they had a place and apartment and cars and all these things like that was their life. Yeah. Then there was never any other plan. I mean, Shane had done a short stint in America um, prior to going back to the, you know, Europe. And I feel like like they were really good people to learn from. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. like Shane had been successful. He was world champ, um, was making, I would imagine, pretty good, reasonable money from KTM and everything like that. And I don't know. Like, I still feel like sometimes I live easy at easy and, yeah. you know, is what he taught us, which yeah. is the money flow of it's got to flow out. It's got to flow back. Yeah. Um, do what and, you need to do. With and I still, yeah, I still that. live my life by easy out, easy in. So thanks, Shane. Um, but yeah, like I just think that that, you know, Andrew and Natalie, um, Andrew and Nat were different. Like they were our friends, um, but they were also on the same path that we were. Yeah. Um, they, you know, like I wouldn't, we didn't race each other that particular year, but, you know, Andrew and I still we're very competitive, yeah. you know, competitive against each other. Um, I know that the weekends that he would do better than I would be like, damn it, he was the best Aussie this weekend, you know, like, yeah. but that was what was fun. And I feel like we embraced that and we enjoyed that. We yeah. got to go spend amazing time in Italy with them. And it was, it was awesome. And, you know, all those things. So I, yeah, I couldn't imagine life without, without Europe. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, we moved to the U.S. and that's a whole lot of. Uh, that's a whole lot of uh, podcasting, yeah. Yeah. But you got to tell that story first. Yeah. Well. <laughs> there's so much to be said. There is so okay, much. Okay, but as far as talking. I know, there's so much to talk about. That's why people are like, "I want to hear about this, this, and this," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon." So I feel like it's important to know you know me know our story know all the little things because at the end of the day that's what shapes you of how you got to wherever you go because my biggest thing is like do you regret anything that you've ever done never you no know, like i feel like we like it, it's just, just life lessons you know yeah exactly and you know it's easy to and sit if you there don't learn it's like how many times can you do the same thing without saying there has to be change, you know? Yes, exactly. And that's what I was going to say too, is that, okay, for every fucked up thing that's ever happened, there's been a massive change, a lesson, growth, etc. And that's, you know, that's what I want to show or share, you know, because it's not been easy. It's not just this, you know, like, it should be easy. It's, it's, it's not this like two dimensional thing. It's like, there's so many layers of, who somebody is and how they got to where they are and why we make the decisions we are, how, you know, everything like the world like we that. live in and you see the Instagram thing. And I, I want to say, I feel that like that's so two dimensional. It's just like you see, I saw a post. I think it was, uh, I actually think that D Wade posted it, but it was like basically a kid standing on a podium with a trophy. And then it had like a background of all the, oh, yeah, yeah. the stuff that happened. Yeah. And I mean, that's it's a, like, you see the podium, you see the trophy yeah. And that's the world we live in today. Yeah. 2020 is you just see the glitz and the glam, but you don't see what happened to get yeah, and how like and how the story the to get there. The things that we've gone through to get where we are, you know, people would look at us and go, oh my gosh, you're this and you're that. And it's like, okay, we're two normal people who went through everything to get where we are. And I, I guess the biggest thing for me overall looking back, you know, Obviously, we're going to go through everything, but 
um, you know, like I'm proud of the fact that we did it together. Like we, no matter what happened at the end of the day, it was all us. Mm -hmm. And and I probably think that in a shitty way, because I lost my parents, but I I'm thankful for that because I like I fully threw myself in. Not that I wasn't throwing myself into it anyway, but like I feel like I was like, this is it. Like, like it actually there wasn't any other option. It is you're alone. <laughs> you are alone. You were pretty much fucked, so you better and figure it out. So it was just like, let's go figure it out, you know. Yeah. And that was that was you and I both, I think, equally embraced that and yeah, you know, and and we still, I feel like the groundwork of 20 years ago still is a lot of how we make decisions today today yeah i agree absolutely yes anything else that um our podcast listeners i'll say ours because you know i say racing like my i always include myself in your racing stuff and i'm like it's kind of weird but it's like it is ours your house your bed your kids But then you I have, but if I said ma, I have to say ours. Yeah. No, I mean, like, when I say, like, we, how we did it at racing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, no, and I, I just automatically assume, and I never want to sound like a dick, like, I know you're the one on the bike, and at the end of the day, it is all you. But, you know, like, I always feel like I'm a part of it. So I'm going to say our podcast because I feel like what's mine is yours too. Oh. So. I know I can't remember because now I'm all like gushy. I'm like, I don't even know what I was going to say. Um, but I feel like there's, you know, like, I don't know what I was going to say. I think that uh, at the end of the day, you know, for people listening, I think that I don't think that anything worth fighting for is ever easy. And I think that, you know, whether it be career, relationship, you know, your, you know, communication with whatever, like you have to, like you have to want it and you have to want to work for it. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I take from our experience is that we, we were a team, Yeah. you know, we were boyfriend and girlfriend and fiance, fiance, you know, husband and wife. But all along there's been this, cause it's not like you and I have this, discussion ever no <laughs> i know like there's never been said, this like, like hey this is you know you and i don't talk about it and plan it out for the most part it's just like this is what it takes yeah and there's been this unwritten rule at least in my opinion yeah. that you you just throw yourself at it and you yeah. make it happen and yeah. you embrace it i embrace it we all work for the ultimate I think that's probably and why result. you're here 257 races later is that I've always, I've never once gone, okay, that's it. You know, and like, I've never said, okay, you've got to retire, go get a real job, go get something more stable, go do this, go do that. Like every, every time you say, no, I'm going to do it. I'm like, okay, let's fucking do it. And yeah, we no, throw no. everything at it. And it doesn't matter where it puts us or where we have to move to. We just, we just do it. Both jump in it and go. Like everyone thought that we were moving to Charlotte because of JGR and it's like we were ready. Like, yeah. you know, like without having a 
heart to heart with each other. We both knew that we were over Florida and ready for something new. I did a couple, actually quite a few tests. I was spending Monday through Fridays in Charlotte. And I'm like, Ellie would like it here. Let's move to, let's move to Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> and then literally 10 days before Christmas, I'm like, let's Chow, go. you were in Italy. And I was like, I was in fuck Italy. it, we're going. We're going. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's... And that's how we live. That's our story and... That's how we roll. It's like, okay, that's and maybe working it, now. It's that's like what maybe works for us, you know? Like totally. Because, I mean, shit. If Steve Astafin ever listens to this, he'd probably just be pulling his hair out <laughs> thinking, fuck, crazy kids, you know? Yeah. Because people, people some, to tell us and be like this Some and people it's cannot like, understand that way of thinking, you know? Like there's this, you know, let's plan out this. Hey, you're gonna, your net worth's going to be here and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's like, Our fuck, that sounds boring. I know. You're like, oh, let's just build a race dude. I grew up like in a trailer. It. Yeah. My net worth's just fine. Honestly, for me, home is wherever you and the kids are, so it doesn't matter. hundred percent. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't, you know, though we live a very, from the outside looking in, sometimes we, we live an amazing life. Yeah. Um, and I truly believe we do. But it's not all glitz and glamour always, you know. Like, oh. there, we, I think we live a very, we live a more normal life today than we did five years ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm happier today than I was five years ago because it probably does feel more real. Um, yeah. I think the way we live here in Charlotte and, you know, kids have got a great school. I feel the place I don't feel suffocated, you know, suffocated by my environment around here. And it feels it feels awesome. And, and I think that's what people need to you do know, for themselves. Like do the for themselves. That's yeah, what that's exactly. what you can take be, from, yeah, from our this. experience is that don't do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. You know, like feel free to just go, you know what? I mean, for us we make decisions based and it's never based on money. So it's like if Charter actually made decisions based on financials, we'd be in a totally different space. But we never have. Because at the end of the day we've always chose what is right for us at the time. And that's not necessarily a financial decision. It's been like What's what yeah. puts us in a position where we a two feel million like dollar salary is always better than spending three point something on a race team. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> why output three point something million when you could? But you choose the opposite every time. But but you do what you feels right. Yeah, you know, and that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's like you do have to make financial decisions at yes. some point. Um, but it's not always. Yeah, but not being afraid of. Don't be afraid of taking the money over risking the, for something that you truly believe in, love, and you're prepared to work yeah, for. Yeah. And that's kind of. And freedom where we is go. something that you can't put a yeah. money worth like on. Like sometimes I think maybe I just like to move to a island and have like this tiny little nothing and just work like just such a simple life. So that would be an island. Can we just go to the beach? Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably get bored. I was going to say, island sounds like I'd get island feeler real quick. Feeler? Feelers? Fevers. Fevers. Yeah, I need to put my feet in the sand. It's been too long. Yeah. When uh, the kids grow up, we'll get a... We'll move to that island. When the kids, when we kick the kids out, we can go to... We can go to a. I don't want to go on an island, so let's not go to an island. I don't know why. Well, island scares me. <laughs> Australia is technically one big okay, island. Okay, well, if we're talking like that kind of island, then I can deal with the yeah, island. Exactly. Otherwise... I need to. Yeah. 
You can I have like a go-kart and maybe like a race car and motorcycle okay. on this island? <laughs> yes. I get perfect. I'm yeah. in. Since when have you never got what you wanted? True. Exactly. Thank you, Ellie. You're the most supportive wife I've ever <laughs> dreamed of. I love you. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Thanks for listening. We're going to wrap it up now. We're going to go pick up our kids from school. Um... Will you come on again soon? Yeah, I'll come on. Like every third podcast? I just want that commitment. Is that the number you're throwing out every third? Yeah, well, like, I'll do a couple, get you in here, chat up. I don't want to go too far ahead because then I'll have to go back and we'll have to talk about the same thing. And I Yeah, you, you need know to shorten them up. You need to be having, like, hour conversations. Okay, well, I can't help it if we just you got just so much to say. talk a lot. Is there anything else that you think people should know about me? Am I the same person today that I was when you met me? I, I actually would say yes. Like the core. Like, yeah, obviously a more actually, mature lady I, version. I truly believe the person you are today sitting in front of me, you are more like the 13-year-old girl in the library than what you were 10 years ago, Aww. you know? Like, I think, like, that's part of yeah, life. Like, totally. like you... You go through this thing, and, and I went through it. We mm. went through it. Where I look back, and I'm like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't like who I was. You know, like the pressure that we were both under. Yeah. Um, all the things that we just covered, in the fact of you know making these unbelievably huge grown-up decisions at 18 years old. Um, they do. They, they shape you and change they you. They shape and... you. They change you. They, they're the the incline can't always be up. Yeah. Like there has to be plateaus and down periods. Yeah. yeah. And though we don't like those, though you don't like going there, yeah. I I believe that that's I don't know an individual that's ever just had an incline. Yeah. You know, no. like you know, and I think that. Or, like we, you we, know, we there's grew, people that just stay in this one, you know, like... Like they're monotone. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. like a lot of people that we grew up with and it's like they, they're totally happy, never leaving Curry. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm happy for them. Yeah, exactly. But that wasn't... That was never me either. Us, you know. Yeah. So I, whoever you are, <laughs> whoever we're talking to, um, you have to find your, that's, that's your place to choose, you know. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, but not be know, afraid of... You know, like change, change, and fucking up, and you're gonna do it wrong, and and you don't you just try to fuck again. it up. Let's be honest. Like no. you know, you have to, you know, like it's not about like you can't be careless, but you have to be fully clear yeah. of what the goal is, and yeah. if you fall short of that, it's not always a terrible thing. No. Mm. So yeah, I would say that you are more. Um, you know, the the little girl that I met, you know, twenty two years ago. No, actually that was longer than that. Yeah. Um, then I than ever, you know, and I think I that that's just the space that we are in, the space that we've created over the last right? three years. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy. And I it's perfect timing for me, you know, like that retiring this year, I think it's amazing and the fact that all these things are happening and at the right time too. Right. You know? Well, I feel like, too, I can be more myself now that you're on the retirement thing and I can be, you know, and we'll get into that more later, but I feel like you've got a 
hold your tongue at a certain point. And I feel like now I can just be all of me. Yeah. And, and you know, like, and that's hard for me because I've lived that life my whole life. So mm-hmm. it's always hard for me to just, and, and I always find it funny that people talk about me not caring. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, he'll just say what he wants to say. Yeah. And, like, I'm like, I couldn't think that that's more further from the truth than what it is. Yeah. No. You... I just answer questions and I'm asked. Yeah. I don't necessarily well, speak also... my... Like, everyone's like, oh, he speaks his mind. He says what he wants to say. Like, I actually really don't. Yeah, I know. If you really wanted to know what I fucking want to think, yeah, what I think, think. Yeah. then maybe I would scare some people. Yeah. But I... Yeah, like, it's always been funny for me. Like, I've always... Well, when you do talk, people love you're it or very hate it. honest. Yeah, I'm on. Like, if you ask me a question, like, my number one sport is MotoGP, and they talk about, like, Mark Marquez says, this Honda lacks this, this, and this, and it, for the most part, he tells you every weakness of that motorcycle. Yeah. And it's acceptable. Yeah. And that that is what is, a, you know, everybody talks about that in that sport. Yeah. In our sport... If you're struggling and you're like, hey, I'm struggling in the turns this week or the handling's not right. Mm -hmm. Suddenly now I'm saying this fucking Honda or Kawasaki or whatever the motorcycle I'm riding, this thing sucks. Yeah. That's what I actually want to say is this thing sucks. It won't turn. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. It's like you can't ever. No one. If you ask me, what did you struggle with this weekend? I'm you ask me a question. I'll try to tell you, hey, like I struggled here, here and here. I think our sport. Um, sucks in that level and it's very immature and oh, it's again, so immature we'll we'll get onto that on another <laughs> podcast because probably three podcasts <laughs> yeah but we do i i would like to come in there and and be able to ask people real questions that's what i'm gonna do actually i'm gonna be like no tell me what you really think who are you gonna ask all of them all of them i'm just gonna show up in their face and say who though who's all of them i want to know the writers. Oh, the writers. Yeah. They're not going to tell you. No, I'm going to ask him in a way that... Why don't you go to, like, go to Keith or Jimmy or Kehoe or, like... Do you think there's any trucks that I wouldn't be welcome at? They'd all look at you like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And they wouldn't know what to do. I love it. Can you do it? Yeah. I'm going to show up with a microphone and be like, so... Dr. Rog and Ian. Oh, my gosh. Because yes. you can. Because you, know. we, I mean, we rode for them all. I know. And I feel like I've been in every truck. <laughs> we haven't been in the KTM one, but we've, the, the KTM team essentially is the Suzuki team we're on. So yeah, exactly. So we, we can claim the people. Yeah, exactly. Not the color. Yeah. No, and it's funny. It's just, no, but that's, I love that's my all whole of thing them, is but that Exactly. But I want to <laughs> encourage people to be able to talk, you know, and, and communicate and feel like for the riders that they can actually say exactly what they feel get it off and you know what I mean? And be able to move on rather than just feeling gagged all the time because they're like puppets. Like I'm not allowed to say anything. Keith McCarty told me something this year that actually gave me full understanding of the way I think or the error that we grew up in. And I think it was at St. Louis and I said something to him and he's like, yeah, like you're either with me or against me. Like that is it. Like when you're, and and that's it. And it, I'd always, you know, like you're aware, but you're not aware, or no one had to put it into words. That yeah. kind of was like where the light bulbs go off, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's why I think the way I think, because 
it, it's true. And I still think like that. Yeah. And I love it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like every team I was on, I was I was in yeah. deep. They yeah. were my people. And the second you leave, that's it. I don't care who they are. Yeah, right. I hate them all. <laughs> and yeah. then you're just like, and then you go to another team and you're like the same thing. Those people who, you didn't hate them. Like, no, like it's no, not a hate. No, no. But I use the word hate just because it's, it's not yeah. funny. I shouldn't yeah. say it. But I guess it's, the, I grew up in a world where you could say that and it was passion. funny. Yeah, exactly. But the passion that you, like you could be like, oh my gosh, these people who I, who I looked at as like, fuck, I'm going to kick your ass this weekend. And well, now they're your people. Right, of course. And I mean, it's like, Goose it's and so Ricky, funny. you know, it's like we were like, fuck. And then then Goose ended up being our mechanic and one of our closest people. And that's just how the sport is. And it's like, you know, and it lacks close. that now. Yeah. I like I loved our error. Like I, I love. Well, that's the next podcast I'm starting to talk about. Right. So we can talk about that. Come back. Come back. I led you us. in. So now oh. don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh, thanks for leading me in. Should we go get our kids? Yeah, we should. Okay, well, thank you for listening and um, tune in again. Just keep talking. Thanks, Chad. Peace out. Love you. Love you.